Hello, welcome back to the Weekly Whitney, a Bacon Wire podcast. This is episode three? Four? Episode three, I think. Episode three or four. Whatever. We're here. We're back. Michigan's starting to lower restrictions a little bit, so we're on the up and up. All good news all around. What have we been up to this week? Cassie, you have started a, a show. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic show. Cassie and I kind of trade shows off, and um, our we, big our big one was trading friends for Seinfeld. <laughs> I made a deal with the devil, folks. <laughs> the first season is a little rough. It, it is, but you know, it was a very short. It was like four episodes, and we're already into season two. This is how much I love this man because. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld's voice literally annoys the crap out of me, and the music annoys me, and the haircuts annoy me, and I'm really trying, guys. <laughs> but you watched Curb, so I think you can get through this I a lot better. I do like Curb very much, so I'm trying. I'm hoping I can see a little more Larry David and a little less Jerry Seinfeld. Are you starting to feel a little more Larry David, though, in certain parts? It's hard no. to get past those haircuts. I'm going to... Yeah. They're not. They're nineteen nineties and maybe in when it gets a little bit more through the show, all I can see is frizz. That's all I can see. What else have we been up to? I mean, really, not much going on. I mowed the lawn, which is what the viewer, or the Relaxing. listeners, want to hear. Trying yeah. to keep in touch with people as best we can, I guess, like our friends and family. Mm-hmm. We are going to change the format of the show. We usually kind of get into our meat and potatoes, like kind of not midway through, but three quarters of the way through. And then we talk about other stuff to end it. We're going to do a more structured podcast from here on out. We actually have a rundown. We're going to try to be somewhat professional throughout this. Not really the greatest professionalism, but at least we have a rundown. So we can kind of go off of a structure and go and kind of spin off if we have to. Get you guys used to a formula. Right. So we've watched a couple things actually lately. I'll let Cassie start off. Um, we watched a movie yesterday on Disney Plus called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It is the sequel to the 2014 Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Kind of a re- a sort of remake slash live action warped version of Sleeping Beauty focusing on the main villain, Maleficent. I honestly wish that Disney would do all of their live actions from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it's a much better story. And I like the classic animated Sleeping Beauty. I think that's a really good one. But I think that I think the idea of making her not a villain and you know, there's two sides to every story kind of um, theme is really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish. I mean, can you think of Little Mermaid from the point of view of Ursula? They should do the movie that way. I mean, I'm pretty sure that like King Triton wronged her in the past. That was alluded to. And that's why she was, you know... I haven't seen it in forever, so I might have to watch it again just to kind of... She was such an evil bitch because she hated him. Is it Melissa McCarthy, Ursula, or was that never... I'm going to have to look that up after the pod. I think it was rumored. I don't think it was ever... I don't think it's confirmed. In the... They just did Little Mermaid, like, live. Released that on Disney Plus last year, or earlier this year. It was not the best, but they cast Queen Latifah as Little Mermaid, Ursula, for that. Yeah. She was all right. What would you give? What would you think of Maleficent, though? I think like, as a sequel, it was uh, not as good as the first. Yeah, I agree. Which usually happens, but I really, really enjoyed the dinner table scene with her and Michelle Pfeiffer. 
I wish there would have been more of that in the actual movie. I think that was really cool. It was sort of like bitch versus bitch. It was really fun to watch. And it's too bad that that just lasted one scene. Yeah, like maybe a scene and a half of that. Yeah. But I, I definitely would have liked to see that go on more. Right. It it was okay. It was it was decent. I think I mean that the first one made I looked it up made like eight hundred million dollars, so you can't really say no to a sequel. And right. this one probably turned a profit. I think it made five hundred million off of like two hundred million total spent, so it probably turned a profit. I don't know if it's enough to keep it going, though. I think this is just too... I don't think they should keep it going, personally. I don't think they should have made this movie. I remember when they were talking about it, and I'm like, why? Why Why do you want to keep going with it? It's just well, kind of a theory, one-off story. In theory, it seems like a good idea, because you're like, oh, I really enjoyed watching Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. I really enjoyed getting another side of a classic story. Mm-hmm. And then this one you thought would continue it, and it kind of did, but kind of didn't. Like, there was a little bit... Is a little heavy on the fairy tale features instead of on the uh, the heart, the emotion. Okay, so I'm looking up Little Mermaid since we're going to spin off since this is the rabbit hole we're going down. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame is attached to write songs with Alan Menken, who worked on Aladdin, which and has Lion some King. great songs, and Lion King, of course. It looks like Rob Marshall is directing it, who directs a crap load of Disney movies. The last big one he did was Mary Poppins Returns, which I didn't see. Ugh. Not good. Heavy on the Lin-Manuel Miranda. We'll just say that. I heard he was a little horny in that in that movie, too. I don't know if I picked up on that, but he definitely was a lot. <laughs> that would be the word I would use. Extra. And a lot. So, it doesn't say they're confirmed, but... Melissa McCarthy was in talks to play Ursula. Jacob Tremblay, the kid from the movie Room, and he was one of the main characters in Good Boys, was in talks to play Flounder, and Aquafina was in talks to play um, a gender swap version of Scuttle. Um, that she'd be a really good Scuttle. I like that. Halle Bailey from that one of those bands like ha- Halle and Chloe. Mm-hmm. We saw them before the Jay Z and Beyonce concert yeah, two years Beyonce, ago. Beyonce like sponsors them basically. She's giving them she's, their. Start. I think they're from Houston. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they are. She is. She is Ariel, and Javier Bardem was in talks to play King Triton, which I could. Re- I could be down for that. That'd be really cool. Hmm. He 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 could do it. Harry Styles was going to play King, uh, Prince Eric, but he turned it down to focus back on music. A guy named Jonah Howard King was cast as Prince Eric for The Little Mermaid. Um, he's been in A Dog's Way Home. And that's about it for America. He was in some stuff overseas, but this is going to be obviously his big break. Kind of like um, Mena Musad was hoping would happen after Aladdin came out, but no one will cast him anymore, unfortunately. I know a lot of people were upset about uh, African-American Ariel. Right. Which I think is crap, in my opinion. They're just used to the old what it was, and they're afraid of change. Oh, there's Chloe and Hallie are sisters. Mm -hmm. Okay, they weren't from Houston, so that's my bad. I wanted to cover that before we moved on. They're from Atlanta. So Beyonce must have heard them at one of her stops or something somewhere. Yeah, she's been sponsoring them for a few years now. Right. 
Uh, David Diggs was in talks to voice Sebastian. He's been in a couple things. He's been mm-hmm. in Blind Spotting. He was most known for Hamilton. He was the first run or second run of Hamilton. No, he was the first run. Excuse me. He was Thomas Jefferson. He hasn't been in much besides that. TV wise, he's been in um, Kimmy Schmidt, BoJack Horseman, Bob's Burgers, Star Wars Resistance. That's right, no, He's the lead in the new Snowpiercer series that just premiered last night. So that's about Little Mermaid. I know we kind of went down a rabbit hole with that, but we kind of had to talk about it because I was curious what was going on with that movie. It was about to begin filming last month, but obviously Hollywood just stopped with coronavirus. And it is expected to pick back up in the next month or two this summer. So you know, we'll, we'll even, see what happens. I've even seen TikToks where Disney employees are talking about how mad guests get when they do the live show of Little Mermaid. And they're and, different skin color. Yeah. And, the, and <laughs> I, I mean, it so boggles stupid. my mind because a lot of Disney movies are, like, based in a certain country, which then I can understand because that person's supposed to be from that country, right? So, like, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine are from Arabia, right? But, like, Ariel's a mermaid, so she's fictional in her origin. Right. <laughs> I give Maleficent, out of a 100 scale, I'll probably give it a 65. It's watchable, but it's one of those movies where you could be on your phone like we both were and not really yeah. miss much. It, it's a, I don't know, I, it's, that's the kind of the weird thing with the live action movies is because you don't really know who they're making it for. You don't know if they're making it for the kids or for the adults. Yeah, this it's one. kind of an odd mix. It felt like a dark, it felt like more for the adults, honestly. Well, the beginning it was darker. did. And yeah. then towards the middle and the end, it was mm, more about true. like the creatures. Right. And then it sort of felt like tweens what, what maybe would, were the target. <laughs> what kind of score would you give it? 60. Okay. So we're we're at 62.5 average. It's on Disney Plus, so if you got nothing else to watch, watch it. I mean, I would say turn it on. Because Angelina Jolie looks just like Maleficent. Yeah. The cartoon. It's unbelievable. Maybe besides the green face. She looks like a a realistic depiction of her. Yeah. Um, Cheekbones and all. Her cheekbones are fantastic in that movie. And I am about to wrap up season five of Better Call Saul. I'm about a month behind. I got spoiled the ending of the season, and I wanted to burn through it so I could catch up. Because I think I kind of know what happens. And if you've watched Breaking Bad, and then you watch this show, season five, you can really start to feel it all. All these, there's probably four or five plot lines in this season. It's all starting to come together. And you can tell when Saul Goodman's about to be like, when shit's about to hit the fan. Because he gets married in this season, he finds this this woman who loves him and risks her career for him. And I'm not done with the season yet. I'm going to do it this week for sure. I can just tell that it's all about to go to complete hell for him because that's how it ends up in Breaking Bad is that he jokes about when he goes under witness protection, he's going to have to be managing a Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska. And that's one of the subplots that, that's teased throughout the whole show is that he is literally managing a Cinnabon in Oklahoma or excuse me in Omaha Nebraska and like this season someone knows who he was from his previous life and it's teased that he's going to handle it himself instead of calling the vacuum salesman guy again um you start to and Mike is in it Mike Ehrmantraut who I loved in Breaking Bad and major rip to his character but he is so good on this show 
if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul is slower, but I think it's definitely worth watching if you can't get enough of Breaking Bad, but you don't want to binge through the se- through the series again. Mm-hmm. It's a little too slow for me. I don't understand why you don't like it. It's, I can't get into it. I mean, Gus is there. Mike is there. Tuco I'm, shows up. I'm glad they're all together and having fun. I'm just slow for me. Okay. Like watching paint dry. It's one of the best shows on TV. It really is. It's Vince Gilligan and gang have not missed since Breaking Bad. And it's pretty clear. They've, they've, they're still in their stride. But this season is season five. And the series started at season or what six years before Breaking Bad. So next year, 2021, is the final season. So my biggest guess is that we're going to see Walt and Jesse show up in this season. Maybe be cool if they were a subplot, but then it kind of turns into a member berries of, hey, remember Walt and Jesse? They're back. Oh, I remember. <laughs> but, I, I mean, in this season, you see Hank and Gomez for a couple episodes, so it's pretty cool to see those guys come back. Hank doesn't miss a beat, and they're, it was so cool to see them again. But but better call Saul, I'm going to give this season a 95 out of 100. It's been really good. It's the best season. Every season has gotten better. And Cassie, what did you watch? You watched this Kimmy Schmidt thing? Yeah, I watched the new... I previously watched the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix like the whole time it's been out the last few years or whatever, and I really like the show. I just think it's a really fun show to watch, especially if you have any kind of ADD, any kind of short attention span. It's very much like... Bam, 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 bam. Um, as far as jokes and weird things, and Tina Fey produces the show, so in some senses it reminds me of Thirty Rock, in like the format. Yeah. But <clears throat> it's a really great show. And then they recently released like an interactive sort of choose your own ending version of it. I guess it's sort of like a movie. So it's like it's called Kimmy versus the Reverend. So it was really cool. I really like the choose your own adventure format. And even if you clicked the quote-unquote wrong ending, then ended up, like, getting them killed or something, they just basically told you that you chose wrong, made a joke about it, and then reverted back to the decision, and when they choose the other one for you. Hmm. What would you give it on a 100 scale? As far as, like, how entertained I was, I give it a, I give it a 90. Hmm. I was very entertained the whole time. And honestly, towards the end of the show, the actual Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt show, I was getting a little bit like, okay, let's wrap this up. It's it's kind of run its course. Right. They you felt like they ran they ran out of material and were kind of bleeding it dry. A little bit. Not it didn't go too far into it, but a little bit. Right. Um. But this this was sort of just like season one again. I felt mm. like I had just started watching the show. Maybe they should have taken cool. more breaks in between seasons. Maybe. Because that's how a show can get stale, or maybe try to find new writers. Because like, The Simpsons got stale for a while but i've heard it's actually pretty good again i've talked to um my best friend brandon about it and him and i had the same opinion in that the the main plot of the show is that kimmy schmidt is a quote-unquote mole woman who was captured by a reverend when she was 12 or 13 or something like that so she'd spent eight years in a bunker and so she's adjusting to like life in new york city and like what it's like you know, in 2018 or 2017 or whenever it started. So that can only go so far, in my opinion. Mm. You can only be, like, a babe out of the woods for so many seasons before we understand what you're about and we get it and let's try to do something different. 
I, I never I couldn't get into Kimmy Schmidt. I tried watching it, and I like Thirty Rock, but it's not like Thirty Rock's one of my top shows of all time. It's entertaining, but it just it just didn't hit it completely for me. Great. Titus is one of the best TV characters ever. He is so fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm a big sports guy, and sports are slowly starting to come back. Like, golf came back this weekend in, like, a charity two-on-two tournament, which was pretty cool to see. And I really didn't feel like the crowd would have made much of a difference. So that's a good thing. I think golf will start to come back. Apparently NASCAR came back. I couldn't give two shits about NASCAR. Sorry. Could you give one shit? No. Okay. It's, it would take... You'd have to pay me so much money to watch NASCAR. and and How I've, much? Mm, Probably five hundred bucks an hour. Unless it's not you that much money. double it if you said I couldn't be on my phone. <laughs> That's the difference. I watched a little bit of the golf and I watched a little bit of soccer, but I had it on the background. You watched soccer? I had it on the, my second monitor and I could see the reflection of the game when I was watching Better Call Saul. So okay. during the commercial breaks of Better Call Saul I could See, okay, it's one nothing. This is boring as shit. That's literally how bored he is that he's watching soccer. I need live sports, but what's been giving us sports fans a fix, a little bit of a little bit of the good stuff, you know, behind the back lot, a little bit of the good stuff is this Michael Jordan documentary that everyone's talking about. It's called The Last Dance. It's on ESPN. We're not gonna go into it any further. It's centers around Michael Jordan's last season with the Bulls in 1997-98 when they are going for their second repeat. And trying to win their sixth championship in six tries. It's a very good documentary, but I felt like I feel like we were teased a little bit too much because you would you'd be seeing, oh, it's MJ uncensored. He doesn't like this footage. He doesn't want you to see it. It's pretty tame on MJ. Does he come off like a dick in some parts? Yes, he does. But that's how Michael Jordan was, is he was a dick to people. That's kind of the price of winning and being a champion like him is you can be a complete prick to people, but if you win six titles and six tries, you know, no one's going to really question your methods. I thought it was a good documentary. I haven't finished the last two episodes, but I know what happens. You know, they win the championship. It's just a very fascinating look into this man that we, you know, we knew a lot about, but... The extent of certain events, the severity of certain consequences. I felt, I could not believe, I still can't believe to this day that Jerry Krause tried to break up the Bulls and basically just willed it into existence. Like, Phil Jackson, you're not getting another contract. Screw you. Alright, I'm going Lakers, etc. I give it an 85 out of 100. It's very entertaining, but there's definitely footage that Michael Jordan didn't allow us to see. And maybe someday it might take his death, which I hope never, which I hope doesn't happen for a long time. But it might take something like his death for someone to go. I have the real footage, or like I have the more extensive footage. So let's see that. But it's a good documentary. It's a good sports fix. It's for someone who grew up when MJ was in his prime. It's incredible to see this stuff, and he's still my greatest of all time. So that was my thought on the Last Dance. It's a good documentary. It's worth watching if you were. If you're a little bit younger and you didn't really know what the Bulls were like, you could watch it because it's pretty fascinating. And there's some stuff that I didn't even know happened. And it's it's just a great documentary to watch right now. Yes. Yeah. Go sports. <clears throat> I mean, you even <laughs> asked me about it. Have you seen this last dance? Oh, I heard someone talk about it. And I know you <laughs> like Michael Jordan. 
So our last thing before we get into the meat of the day, the top five movie and TV couples. Married couples. Married, yes, they are married. This is a big one. I talked last week about Christopher Nolan's Tenet that's still on track for July 17th, so basically seven, eight weeks from now is when it's slated to come out. Warner Brothers is making a decision within the next day or two whether they should delay the movie. Apparently Warner Brothers wants 80% of the movie theaters in the world to reopen, which might happen. I don't know. I'm going to say no at this moment. But Warner Brothers wants 80% of the world's theaters to reopen and even at half capacity or 75% capacity they'll still make money. Here's my thing with the theaters reopening, I guess. Can you imagine being a, you know, quote unquote as you know, perfectly healthy adult going in there, having somebody sit even two seats away from you and cough the whole time. And then you get it like a week later. Can you imagine how like you wouldn't be paying attention to the movie. You'd right. be upset the whole time. Be wondering, you'd be scared, you'd be nervous. Or you just walk out. Or you leave, and you want yeah. your money back. Which, I'm not going to lie, if that happened to me when I see a movie from now on, I might leave. If it's the previews and they start coughing and you can tell they're not going to keep, they're not going to stop, I might just say, you know what, I'm out. I mean, it's, you know, it's a weird time. But Warner Brothers is going to do one of two things. They're going to keep Tenet on track for July 17th if the movie theaters all start to reopen. But the other solution is to move Tenet to August 14th, which is where Wonder Woman 1984 is right now. Move Wonder Woman to December, which is where Dune is coming out. And move Dune into like February or March, which isn't that bad. I I think that's actually a pretty good solution because, I mean, it's not like Wonder Woman's not going to make money. But can you imagine it coming out on Christmas when all the families are going to the theaters? It's going to make even more. And especially with an extended holiday break like most schools are going to do. Yeah. Christmas, it can make, it Christmas could, releases especially being something like it could have long superhero-y legs. or Harry Potter-y. Right. Like, I mean, money. Aquaman came out in Christmas time. No one thought it would do that great. It made a billion dollars just because it was released around Christmas break. Yeah, you can make a lot of money just based on when the film was released. Yeah. I'm okay with that. If they delay Tenet a month, it's really not the end of the world. But you can tell Chris Nolan really wants this movie to come out. Like... Soon. Because the movie's finished. He, he said it's he done. He probably doesn't want it to come out more than you want it to come out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. Lucas talks about this every single day. He's going to save the movie theater industry by releasing this movie on time. He's going to save all of them. And they're all going to bow to him because Our he's... savior, Christopher Nolan. Because he's the king. <laughs> So that that's my weekly tenant update. I'll provide everyone an update next week because I'm sure we'll hear more. And if I have to do a breaking mm-hmm. podcast, like a epi- half episode, I will do the NBC breaking news music and I will... Uh, <laughs> I think that's CBS. <laughs> but I would do that. Let's move on to our beefy segment here. The one to send you home on. Top five married... A.K.A. they have rings. They said vows. They're not just boyfriend, girlfriend. Obviously, they were at one time. Top five movie and TV couples that were married or are married. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with TV. And this one, Cassie and I didn't want to leave anyone off as an honorable mention. So we decided to kind of combine them into a 5A and 5B. Or like an A and B of one. 
Yeah. Because so many people compare these shows. They have that stupid argument on Twitter that Parks and Rec is better than The Office. The Office is better than Parks and Rec. Look, they're both great shows. I watched them both multiple times. Yeah. They both have their ups and downs. They both have their good and bad. We like them equally, I would say. Yeah, I like Parks and Rec's characters a little bit more. I think The Office is a funnier sitcom show, but Parks and Rec's characters are better, in my opinion. Interesting. It's close. But our our first ones are going to be Michael Scott and Holly Flax and Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope. And I don't think Leslie changed her name. I think she's Leslie Nope. Well, that... See, my opinion about women changing their name is that I... Personally, the reason I did it when we got married was because... It, it it symbolizes we're a team. Right. If I was famous when we got married, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change my name. But I mean, I you could you could keep your stage name as that and maybe legally keep your name. Sure. Yeah, you can do that. But I don't blame her for right. not changing it as a public figure. Um, Michael or and Holly. woman for not changing their name. Michael and Holly are a great couple. Like, they, they're just, they love each other. And you can see the struggles because Michael totally simps from her the moment he sees her but you know when they start to have interest in each other it kind of doesn't work you know there's you know she's into him but she's going to be transferred to nashua and then she comes back and he was seeing someone but then he broke that off and you know they finally get together on that rooftop of that one of the buildings in scranton when michael just runs off like a dog (laughs) and you know and she knows all the places that he's gonna go and she just he just says I miss you I missed you, and they they finally get together and you just you you knew from there it was not gonna end. it was they weren't gonna break up. She was one thousand percent written for him. Mm-hmm. They were they're a lot the same, and I think it completely works for them. She's a much smarter version of him. Michael's not stupid. He's street smart, but he's definitely not book smart. Michael just doesn't think about. He's like a snap decision maker. He doesn't think about repercussions as he does them. He almost lives in his own world. Like kissing Oscar. Right. And in his mind, he's like, I'm being so politically correct right now. Like, he thought he was doing the right thing. And Ben and Leslie are just great. Like, you could tell from the moment that Adam Scott got on to Parks and Rec that they were going to be together. And sometimes you feel like, sometimes people might go, okay, I don't like that. But I did, because Leslie's such a good-hearted person. Mm-hmm. She's never been mean to anyone. She's so kind and caring. And Ben has always been a good person. Like, he, you well, know, basically first, pays for April and Andy, you know, when he moves in with them. At first, he was a grouch, though, remember? Yeah, he was a grouch because he had that that negative thought in his head of what happened when he was a kid mayor. Right, which, and he's I mean, trying to be a stickler for the budget and all that. I thought, I think that was cute at the beginning when... He was sort of a curmudgeon. He was a grump. she was the bubbly person that she is. I think that was nice. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Ben's character grew the more... Because I remember originally they weren't... He was only going to be like a guest star. But then they were just like, we got to keep this going. Kind of like Chris Pratt. He was only going to be a guest star. But then they were like, he's so funny. We need to keep him on the show. It was sort of odd to see... Adam Scott as Ben as a nice person instead of stepbrothers stepbrothers, because that's what I grew up as like one of my favorite movies so (laughs) it's weird to see him not be an asshole brother yeah but 
you know, we included them because, you know, Holly's, Michael's proposal to Holly is an all-timer. I've seen the episode probably at least 20 times and I still cry every single time. You know, it was way better than our proposal where I just basically woke her up and (laughs) reminded her of a bad, a dumb thing I said about (laughs) waiting to marry her and I pulled the ring out and said, will you marry me? Well, at first I was like, why are you waking me up and trying to start a fight? And then, boom, here's the ring. Yeah, and then I thought I was being punked. <laughs> so, that that was one thing that made me want to put them on the list. And Cassie made most of this list, but it was one that I thought of. I think I thought of it, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both agreed on it, but you definitely threw them in. They just love each other. Both of them do. And, and Leslie is just... A tornado in this small contained environment and Ben just keeps her calm and focused. And I think they're really, really good partners. Right. And they're a good team. That's what that's what we strive to be. We strive to be a really good team, you know, so that we're both happy and we're working towards our goals. Right. I think they do the same thing. Yeah, they're both, very, we're, we're very goal oriented and so, I don't know about Michael and Holly because as soon as they, as soon as they get engaged, Michael's gone. That was his way of being written off the show. And Ben and Leslie, you know, they get married and you get a season or two with them married. So That's true. You get to see more of that. So we can't really judge Michael and Holly's relationship. But knowing how Holly was, you can assume that they were a great team. Because Michael has two phones full of pictures of his kids when he comes for the <laughs> finale of the series. And they clicked very well together. I can't imagine yeah. them not being on the same page about stuff. Absolutely. Uh, one more side note. For Ben and Leslie, we actually even had um, Leslie's speech that she said to Ben at their wedding in our vows. Yeah. At our wedding. Yeah. So. You can, you can look it up on YouTube. I'm not smart enough to put the sound clip in. So just search, like, Leslie and Ben wedding in um, on Parks and Rec. Yeah, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's very sweet. And yeah. It's, it's their wedding. It's their wedding vows. Num- another one, this isn't in numerical order, really. Um, this one is Marge and Homer Simpson. I kind of alluded to it last week from The Simpsons. If you don't know who the hell they are, I don't know why you're listening to this because The Simpsons is one of my favorite shows of all time. They're just, they're, they love, like, there's true love. And you can see it the way that their origin stories were written and the way that they met. Like, one of the best episodes of the series is The Way We Was. And that was about how Marge and Homer <laughs> met and fell in love and everything. And it was such... I love that episode. And I wanted that for a long time and I found it. Aw, babe. <laughs> They're just ride or die. Like, sure, Marge almost cheated on Homer once. Or, you know, had a... I wouldn't say almost cheated, but she flirted with temptation with that bowling ball guy. When Homer got Marge a bowling ball for her birthday and she yeah. never bowled. So you could see why she would do it, but she was never going to. Almost every episode, Homer is doing something really that stupid. causes her strain in some way. Right, and Homer almost cheated. Or Homer had the temptation with Marge. Oh yeah, that, that Michelle girl at the Pfeiffer. Plant, yeah, yeah, the, on the a getaway trip for the power plant. But they're ride or die. They really are, and they've been together for you know in TV time thirty one years, but probably I'd say about. 11 or 12 years on the TV because Bart and Lisa are 10 and 8. And they got married right around the time she was pregnant with Bart. Yeah, so... They're just an all-timer. They had to be put on this, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that's and that's the thing is like they're well, I guess like a married couple staple. Mm-hmm. In they're TV. just too iconic and good to not be left off this list. Right. You know, if we put Peg and Al Bundy. We'd be like, okay, that's stretching the rules of top five well, married couples. And I think we've talked about this before when we talk about The Simpsons in general, is they came to TV at a time where all the couples were perfect. Right. And so for them to not be perfect was also sort of a, a thing out. on purpose. You know, they're written that way to symbolize real people. To make it more relatable compared to, like, the Cosbys and, um, oh, I forget the family from Family Matters. And the Tanners and all that. Yeah. Not saying there's anything wrong with those except for Bill Cosby, but, <laughs> you know, the Cosby show was a smash hit for, for the obvious reasons, but the Simpsons blew it. I remember reading when the Simpsons beat the Cosby show for the first time, it was the Homer at the Bat episode. That was one of my top five TV episodes of all time. And the creators of the show nearly crapped themselves. They couldn't believe they beat the Cosby show. So... You know, to do that with a kind of broken family, but more normal family, was pretty huge for the early 90s. Yeah. Good stuff. Margin Homer, all-timer. <laughs> Next one, I'm going to let... Mo- I'm going <laughs> to... I called you Monica. <laughs> I'm going to let Cassie take this one away on why she thinks they're so special and who they are. Obviously, it's Monica and Chandler from Friends. Um I love them as a couple. I think that before, I'm just watching the show again for like the hundredth time from the beginning. At the the beginning, they're both almost incomplete characters in my opinion. I think that he is obviously commitment phobic. He doesn't really have a direction in his life besides his work is going well. She's sort of the same way. She's not commitment phobic, but you know, she had Richard and obviously she knew she wanted a baby and that's why they broke up, which... I think it's great because I think their relationship was a touch on the creepy side. They're always really good friends with each other. And then when they sort of accidentally drunkenly got together, it just clicked and it sparked. And ever since then, they both made each other better people. She got him out of his weird commitment phobic stuff. And he helped her calm down and feel safe and secure. And, and, you know, know that she was going to be a mom someday. And I think that both of those things are super important. I think in a marriage, it's top priority to make sure that you both have the same goals in life. Otherwise, you're just straight up not going to work. Monica Chandler always melt my heart at their wedding and, you know. When they're adopting. When they're adopting and I love them. Chandler's a great character by himself and Monica's a great character too. Oh, absolutely. I didn't mean that. I meant. when When they hook, you know, it was just a hookup because she was pissed that someone at Ross's second wedding called her his mother. And she wanted to kind of... It was a self-esteem thing, I think. Well, I mean, there she was at her brother's second wedding. Yeah, and she was dreaming of getting married her whole life. Being single, yeah. And it was a hookup that turned into more hookups, but then they finally got caught by Joey and Phoebe and Rachel, Mm -hmm. and then Ross finally found out, but Ross was cool with it. Wasn't he? he I can't remember. For about 10 seconds later, he found out and he was pissed, and then he realized that they were in love. And he was super happy for them. That's right. He said he loved her. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all I can say about Monica and Chandler. Cassie just summed it up perfectly. There's really no way to, to add more to it. I found my Chandler. <laughs> Thank you. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll let Cassie take the next one away. Because I watched this show when it first came on. But I just couldn't finish it. It, it. 
It was a show that I wish had a laugh track, and I bash laugh tracks, but I think this show would have been better with a laugh track. Well, the show's Modern Family. Um, the couple is Cam and Mitch, and I think that they're a really great couple. I think that it was super, super important for TV to have them mm-hmm. because they normalized a, a gay couple. And how important for America to see that, to see that, you know, they have fights and they love each other and they have a house and they adopt kids. And I think that that's just, that's fantastic. And I think it's important to show that. And they didn't, like, harp on the fact that they were a gay couple, too. They were just bickering like a normal couple. I agree. And they didn't make it like it wasn't, like, not a thing at all. They had a gay joke once in a while, but they weren't like, Cause they, hey, pe- hey, people, this is a gay couple. It was just, like, I mean, Nathan Lane was their one of their best friends, so... Yeah. They, they definitely had very gay friends who maybe fit more of the stereotypical sense of gay. They together were a pretty normal married couple. And I just, I thought that was so brilliant and I was so happy to see that. And honestly, they were the reason I started watching that show. Because I thought hmm. it was really cool that they included that. Because, you know, it's not, it's not just, you know, Mr. So-and-so who stays at home and cooks the meals and Mr. So-and-so who goes out and works all day. and. Right. You know, here's what happens when he comes home. I thought I thought that was really cool that they just had. And throughout the show, too, they both supported each other, Cam and Mitch have, and had different careers and different ideas of what they wanted out of life, and they are really good about supporting each other. Well said. The final one I'm going to let Cassie steer the wheel on, too, because she's seen the show more than I have, but this is Cece and Schmidt. Cece Paris? Yep, I and, think so. And Winston Schmidt. Yeah. From New Girl. I just finished watching it last week. It was a really good show. I wouldn't put it in my top ten of all time, but it's it's an honorable mention for sure. It's a really, yeah. I it's like a modern show. it's like a modern friends, it really is to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I'm gonna let you steer the wheel on CC and Schmidt. CC and Schmidt definitely have their moments throughout the show as far as bad things. Yeah. She I mean after they break up the first time. She basically tells him that she doesn't love him when he pours his heart out to her, and that's hard to watch. Oh, man. And then later down the line, she calls off her wedding for him, and he agrees to be with her while he's still with his other girlfriend (laughs) and dates them both at the same time. So cringe. Pretty bad. So, I mean, the fact that they could both get past those things. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he just proposed to her. Like they weren't even together. Yeah, he yeah. was with Fawn Moscato for a long time, and she, and she was trying really hard to not butt, to butt in because she thought he was happy, and she even tried to go climb a mountain and, like, find herself, and comes back all covered in dirt, and he just has to propose to her. Schmidt just had a calling, like... But once he finds is, out that she had feelings for him, yeah, there, this, was, there was no choice. This is, this is my true love, and yeah. he just straight up knocks on the door and is like, will you marry me? Yep. And she says yes without hesitation. That was such a great moment because she did some pretty... They um, both did some pretty bad things to each other. Especially with him dating two girls at once and, like, trying to juggle phone calls with them and all that, too. That was like, just give it up. Just commit to one. I think that it makes... I think that they had to write it that way for them to both do bad things to each other. Otherwise, they wouldn't be an equal pair. Right. So I think that that kind of worked out well. And then... Later in the show, I think the last season, as a married couple, they're really good together. Yeah. He supports her. She supports him. They're really great parents. 
I I really enjoy them as a married couple specifically. Yep, I agree 100%. I can't add anything more to it. Our top five for TV married couples, Cece and Schmidt from New Girl, Cam and Mitchell from Modern Family, Monica and Chandler from Friends, Marge and Homer from The Simpsons, Michael and Holly from uh, The Office, slash Ben and Leslie from Parks and Rec. That's kind of a 1A and 1B situation. And here we go into top five married couples for movies. And the first one is from 51st Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. It is Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Henry and Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember much of this movie, so I'm going to let you... I'm going to let you steer the wheel from most of these. I mean... Uh- I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Adam Sandler even before he started doing rom-coms because I think pretty much any guy who's funny is super cute. Obviously, that's where I landed in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one's with that specially is really cute. He starts out as a player who meets this wonderful girl who happens to have short-term memory loss. And the fact that he had to convince her every single day that he loved her is... Probably one of the most romantic things I've ever He's heard just of. a simp for her. <laughs> I mean, she does things for him, but definitely the scales tipped the other way here because of her condition. Mm-hmm. In the, and they're married at the very end. They show them on the boat, and then she has a kid even. So he has the idea to make her the tape. So that every day, the process of her realizing who she is will only take about an hour or two hours as opposed to a whole day. Right. Yeah, it's very romantic, and he just... I know Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have been in a couple movies, but this is easily their best movie. It was... I almost put The Wedding Singer in here instead, the couple they play in that, but most of the movie, they're with other people. Right. And the most romantic part of that movie is the song he sings at the end. Right. I think Henry and Lucy are a better couple, and they are married, in fact. Agree 100%. The next one... I didn't, I didn't think of any of these, so this was all Cassie's doing. We kind of workshopped it, but she she did all the hard work for this. The, all well, the you brain. can take this one since you know these characters this, really well. Michelle Flaherty and Jim Levenstein from American Pie. This is one that you could kind of see coming in American Pie 2. Jim is so desperate to get laid that he hooks up with a band geek who is apparently just this freak in bed. And... And at the end of American Pie 2, I'm not going to put spoiler tags for a 19-year-old movie. He realizes he loves her, even though Nadia, the girl he thought he loved, is like sitting right there ready to go for him. And he just dumps it all and, and stays with Michelle, and they get married the next one. In American Wedding, then American Reunion, they have a kid together. And they you can see them going through like the obvious, the regular marriage struggles that some people go through. So it's really nice that they portrayed them as like a real couple, but it was just like straight up they love each other. Yeah, and they absolutely. were they were both weird geeks, mm-hmm. and they were compatible with each other, and they clicked, and they just had this great time together. And that's why I love American Pie so much. Is obviously for like the, all the all the jokes with Stifler and everything are really funny. I think Stifler's an all timer movie character, but it's it's the relationships like Michelle and Jim. And then American, you know, Re- American Reunion, finally Oz and Heather start to get together even after they got together and they broke up. But then American Reunion, it's like they realize they love each other even though it was like 10 years later. So I, I like those parts of the movie the older I get. Obviously, 
when I first watched them, I just liked it for the dumb jokes and the dumb skits. That's what's kind of funny about these movies is how how they really like started out being just about sex and the traditional guys wanting to get laid in high school tropes. Um, and they, like, evolved into following these characters throughout their life. Right. You actually see them grow up throughout the whole series. Yeah. Which is which cool. Which is satisfying. Like, they Absolutely. Grew, I felt like they grew up with me, even though they were, even though I was 12 when American Pie came out, I could kind of feel that watching them later on, like, you know, I kind of grew up with these guys. Yeah. A little bit. You were, like, Stifler's younger brother. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the next couple... They're yours. Go um, for it. A really, really good 90s movie. One of the better romantic comedies from the 90s. Fools Rush In with Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek. The couple's name is Isabel and Alex. Um, it's a really, really cute movie. The thing that I like best about them is that they sort of got married on a whim. They didn't really know each other that well, but they made it work. And they, of course, even have the part in the movie where they break up for a minute and then they get back together but that's sort of typical they both come from very very different backgrounds so the fact that they made it work through all that is really incredible i love matthew perry in anything clearly he made it twice on this list so yeah i haven't seen the movie but i might give it a shot now i didn't realize salma hike was the other person yeah so i mean so then they're coming she's coming from a hispanic like, very heavily, I guess, stereotyped, you might say, Hispanic background. And he comes from a very heavy, stereotyped, white, you know, more well-off background. Right. So... But still a good The movie. fact that they get together and make it work is super, super cute. She, I think the, the reason they get married is because she ends up being pregnant after a one-night stand. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's circumstances, and that's what they talk about in the movie, is fate and circumstances and kind of what brings you together and... It's, is, it's a really good one. Is the last thing, is the title from the Elvis Presley song? They do play the song in the movie, yeah, absolutely. I think I asked you that before, but I wanted to clarify. Yeah. I've started listening to him a little bit more on the way home from work and all yeah. that. Yeah, which is a beautiful song. Yeah. Next one, yours. Um, the next one is, we're kind of like a time machine. We're going to go back in time. Um, this movie is from the, oh shit, I want to say 50s. It's The Quiet Man with John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. What's the exact year on that since we have it pulled up? 1952. Um, it's set in Ireland. It's a beautiful location for the movie. It's a very, very classic, old school type of married couple that, you know, she's almost property in the sense and in this time to her brother and to her um, family. And there's a lot of stuff in there about who will get what, but how they are together is really great. He basically is uh, from America. He used to be a boxer in America. And he came over to start a new life and met her. And she's this really feisty Irish woman. And even though it is like, you know, man is dominant in this period of time, she still definitely puts up a fight and doesn't let him get away with anything. Which I think is, is nice to see that, especially for the time period. So, and it's a fun movie. You know, there's a lot of jokes about drinking, and it's nice. It's a nice movie. Yeah, I I'll, I make fun of John Wayne, but my dad watches movies, and, like, my grandpa would, and, like, AMC or whatever the network it was would play, like, the old time. I don't know if they played True Grip, but, like, you know, Stagecoach and all those movies. Yeah. I get It's just a generational thing for me. Like, you know, yeah. I've never been into them, but... 
I can see why my dad and my grandpa like him because that's what was cool when they were younger. That's what was cool to them. Well, and I originally watched this movie because my mom uh, grew up with her dad liking John Wayne so much. So right. it's, it's, it's sort of a family thing, but this one in particular is, is fun just because of the back and forth with the couple. And the last one we can both talk on, but I'm going to let Cassie steer the wheel again. This one is the Disney Pixar classic Up. It's Carl and Ellie Fredrickson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Carl and Ellie Fredrickson from Up. I just, I mean, how can you not think of them when you think of a cute married couple? In in five minutes, we see them start out as little kids who are best friends and end up being married. And then, you know, I think re- redoing a house together and even going through some uh, conception troubles and living their whole life together and even through death. And it's just a really beautiful story. And I... I think that even though that part only lasts five minutes, it's a true testament to their whole relationship that mm-hmm. Carl evolves into a better person throughout the movie, like, because he thinks, like, what would Ellie want me to do? Well, he's, he's a bitter asshole at the beginning of the movie, but, you know, the more and more he goes on, he realizes that Ellie wouldn't want that for him because she was just like, make your own adventure, have fun without me. Well, and the whole drive for the movie was that he wanted, he's like, he felt guilty. He felt bad that she, they never got to go to. She won a house on the sky. In the, the, the falls. On the falls. They yeah. never got to go to the falls, Paradise right. Falls. And um, so that was the whole reason for him, you know, ballooning up his house and going there. And then throughout, of course, he meets the kid and the dog and they have their whole <laughs> adventure. But it's just really, it's cool because it's like. Yeah, it's like she's basically there in spirit the whole time. Right. And the Ellie badge. It's very, very well done. I think it's either the best or second best Disney Pixar movie. I think Toy Story 3 makes a run for it. But it's all subjective to me because there's really no bad Pixar movie besides two of the Cars movies and that's about it. Maybe Onward. I don't think it's a bad movie, but Onward's definitely on the lower end for Disney Pixar movies. Yeah. But... Up, I remember watching it and when it first came out, and I loved it. You know, I, mm. I just loved it, and I thought Doug was the funniest character to come out of a Disney Pixar movie. Russell's really funny. Russell's too. good too, but I just loved Doug, the talking dog, because I remember being a little kid and, or you know, like now I pretend my cat talks to me and all that. Like we have, <laughs> we still have those urges. You know, you like Doctor Doolittle. You know, you always wondered. What are animals really saying? And I thought it was just so funny. You know, hi there. I just met you and I love you. Yeah. Like, that's literally what that dog would say if he could articulate in human language. Which it's funny because, like, if you think about it, if you think that, like, you know, he started this whole journey because of his dead wife. Yeah. What she would have thought of all these characters. She would have loved the shit out of him. She would have loved Doug. She would have loved Russell. Yeah. You know, so Mm -hmm. that was... And Up is, it's so iconic, Up, is that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia parodied it with um, Charlie and the waitress. Like, Charlie and and waitress had, like, a litter of babies. Like, he doesn't know how babies are made. They had, like, 12 kids. Half of them were boys, (laughs) half of them were girls. The boys went to the janitor school, and the girls went to the waitress school. And he got the kids from the baby store. Like, he's just, like, an infant in, in that sense and that that was also an iconic part of it but i actually got my picture with russ we got our picture with russell and doug 
wearing my uh, Disney Pixar Up shirt, and I almost got kicked out of Disney World Animal Kingdom for it, I think. Do you want to say why? I'll link it in the Facebook group, since I'm still battling Twitter at the moment. A podcast I listened to, Lights, Camera, Barstool, and they made fun of Up. There's one of the guys that they had on his guest star who said he didn't like the movie. He called it down. He was just being, he was just joking around about that, but he couldn't remember Carl's name. And he said, Who's that asshole from Up? Who's the asshole old man? And they, he said, I can't remember his name. I'm going to call him Balloon Jerry. And <laughs> it turned in this thing. Yeah, Cassie's wearing, I have two of the shirts, which I'll explain in a minute. Cassie's wearing one of the Balloon Jerry shirts, but they drew like, he's like a kind of unkempt version of Carl Fredrickson. He looks pretty close to him hair's a little different doesn't have hair on the top of the head his shirt's unbuttoned so you can see chest hair a little bit and he's holding three balloons and the balloon is spelled wrong it's b-a-l-o-o-n jerry and every time apparently you wear that shirt to get your picture taken with russell and doug they look at it and wonder what the hell it is and when i went up there with my balloon jerry shirt i was sweating it a little bit um, it was really uncomfortable because we both went up there and honestly, as fans of the movie, but also like he thought it'd be funny to get your picture taken because how often are you actually in Disney World, right? right. So <laughs> they were, it was with Russell and Doug. Ru- and Doug didn't both, give a shit. Doug did not care. They're both fully costumed, so they can't really, they're not allowed to talk. Russell couldn't. Russell knew what the shirt was, for but sure. then the lady who's you know trying to get you to smile, not even the photographer, but the lady trying to get you to smile, <laughs> she's like, "Oh, oh, you're wearing a Miss Fredrickson on your I shirt." I said, "Yeah." I was like, "Yeah, it's Carl." Oh, wait, is his first name Jerry? I'm like, "Yeah, and that's she... his nickname." And I'm trying, and Russell's sitting there staring at my shirt and going, "No, and no, he no." And he, his tur- finger. he turns to the camera lady and goes, "No, no." I'm like. Oh, shit, he's going to say no to the picture. But I'm like, just a quick picture, come on. So we just kind of acted dumb. We're like, oh, we don't know. And then, so we got our picture taken. Oh, man. And I, one of the best moments of the year. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> I was, like, a huge sigh of relief came off of me when we <laughs> walked out of that line. And then I went on Twitter and tweeted it at the Lights, Camera, Barstool account. And, like, Jeff Lowe, who runs the podcast... And he was, he, he retweeted, it got like 500 likes. Or Jeff said, every couple weeks a, a listener goes to Disney World and gets the Balloon Jerry shirt picture taken. But this is one of them where I can genuinely see that Russell didn't want to be there. And, he really didn't. And it really confused the hell out of everyone else. Because Jeff did that. He had a Balloon Jerry sweater and uh, Doug and Russell were both staring at it and they couldn't figure it out. So... That's another reason I love Up is because it gave me a great memory from Disney World. Because that was the one thing I was looking forward to the entire time leading up to the trip. And I <laughs> I even tweeted at Disney World because they said, What are you looking forward to when you come to Disney World? And I said, Taking a picture with Russell and Doug in my Carl Fredrickson shirt from Up. <laughs> and Disney World tweeted back, Wow, that sounds great. We can't wait to see you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they got... A walkie- it's not a super well-known thing, apparently, but, but some they, people know. They're aware of it. I'm pretty sure they're aware of it. But, I mean, it, it's kind of harmless. I'm sure they can't really sue Barstool over it because it looks close, but you really can't have a patent on what an old man looks like. Well, his his face looks pretty similar, but the rest <laughs> of him doesn't. No. 
And that's where Barstool got away with it. But I was so happy. And what's funny is the day I wore that shirt throughout Animal Kingdom, people were looking at it, like, wondering if it was an up shirt. Well, because all, all day long in Disney, you see people wearing specific, like, <laughs> you know, movie-related or character-related shirts. Yeah. So it it's weird because it looks a lot like Carl, but it's just a little <laughs> bit different. And then it says Balloon Jerry. So. And, and that's a great way... We're going to laugh our way out of this podcast. We'll be back next week. We don't know what we're going to do. We'll we'll see. We'll make something up. Maybe we'll ask you guys what you want to hear. We'll engage our, our millions of listeners in maybe a topic they'd like to discuss. Or I appreciate the uh, reaction to my poll. Um, would you watch The Hangover Part 3 for 24 hours straight for $825 trillion? Um, it was a resounding yes. And thanks to Afton for saying, duh, that's a, that's a great <laughs> answer. It was, I heard, I found it on Twitter, and it's just such a stupid poll, but people were just like, no, I wouldn't watch it. And I'm like, how stupid are you to turn down $825 trillion for watching a not horrible movie for 24 hours? Right. I mean, it's not the best movie, no. but it's, that's it's a lot watchable. of watchable. <laughs> that's us signing off. We will talk to you next week. We're going to... I'll update everyone on Tenet for sure. I'm sure a decision will be coming. Twitter, I'll up, I'll keep people posted. I've got a way around it. We do have an Instagram and we do have a Facebook discussion group. So Yes. Um, if you'd like to hit us up about what you might like us to talk about next week or in the upcoming weeks, please yeah. let us know. Maybe we could do a mailbag. If you have opinions on better TV and movie married couples, please also let us know. Absolutely. With that, have a good week. I'd say have a good week at the box office like Trill does at the end oh, of my podcast. Oh, and have a good Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, That's enjoy your weekend. Memorial Day weekend. We'll probably record Monday. I don't know if we're going to do anything. Can't so, do too much right now. So No, we, we'll probably record <laughs> Monday, so I don't think our schedule's going to change unless we see family or something. Right. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens because the state's starting to open back up, so things are going to look up, folks. The stay-at-home order will probably get extended from my inside sources. With the governor. <laughs> Who's what? Twitter? Your inside sources? I can't say it on here. I really can't. I, oh. ha I have legit sources. It's actually legit. I'm not. I'm honestly not screwing with you. I have legit sources. Restrictions are easing up. You know, it's all about keeping us safe. But hopefully we get some dates on things. But that's for another time. So with that, have a good rest of the week. And we will talk to you next Monday or Tuesday or whenever the hell you feel like listening to this. All right, everyone. Bye.